Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. In today's message, Pastor Luke Berry wraps up our collection of talks on mental health. Breathe when anxiety attacks. He's sharing on the thought, the reality war. Do you feel anxious? Are you weary, mentally fatigued, or attacked? Don't worry, you do not have to struggle alone. The mental battles we face begin and end with the truth of God's word. In every situation, in every trial, we can find peace in our minds through the truth of Jesus. To discover more resources on mental health and anxiety, visit vuchurch.com slash breathe. If your current situation feels overwhelming, I believe this message will help you. Let's lean in together. I'm gonna talk to you about something that, honestly, I feel like God has been talking to me about for a long time. And so I'm a little bit nervous to share with you full transparency. So can you just promise me, can you go with me today? Like, will you, okay, can you lean into this this message? It's gonna be fun. Welcome to Church Online. Good to see you. Good to, uh, I can't see you, but good to be seen by you and have you tuning in. Wherever you are, I'm grateful that you're here. Um, it's gonna be a fun day. We know. You guys are good, thank you. Um, last Sunday, we celebrated an important holiday for the church. Important, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? October 31st, it was Reformation Day. Who said Halloween? You guys are sick. It's just, it's not okay. No, I'm talking about Reformation Day, which means what? It means that over 500 years ago, uh, Martin Luther, he nailed his 95 theses to the door of All Saints Church in Wittenberg, Germany. And now, almost 500 years later, here we are. That, that action started a process that became known as the Protestant Reformation. Now, Martin Luther, he wasn't trying to start a reformation. He wasn't trying to start a revolution. He just couldn't stay silent in the face of what was happening around him. What was going on is that in his hometown of Wittenberg, a man named Johann Tetzel had been sent on a kind of fundraising campaign. He'd been sent to raise money for the Pope to build St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. And in this kind of marketing campaign, what Johann Tetzel was teaching people was that you could buy an indulgence and someone who had died would be released from purgatory into paradise. Essentially what he's saying is you can buy salvation. Now, this is not the official teaching of the Catholic Church. And as a good Catholic, Martin Luther was outraged by this. And he couldn't stand by and watch people in his town be deceived by this false doctrine. He desperately, he wanted them to know the truth. And so he nailed his thesis to the door and the rest is history. And here we are today. Now, let me just sum up this whole conflict in Martin Luther's own words. This is what he said. He said, peace if possible, but truth at all costs. Peace if possible, truth at all costs. And if I may be so bold today, have we reversed Luther's sentiment in our time? Is the motto of the church now, man, truth if possible, but peace at all costs. Let's not disturb the peace. You know, let's not say anything about that. Let's not speak up. Let's just keep the peace. Let's not be divisive, right? Let's not be unloving. Let's just keep the peace. God's love, man. It's all good. It's all right. Let's not disturb the peace. 
For the past couple of weeks, we've been in this collection of talks called Breathe When Anxiety Attacks. And we've been hearing phenomenal messages around this subject of mental health. On week one, Pastor Rich preached a message called Just Keep Breathing. And he told us, man, it's essential um, for us to understand that silence does not protect us and crowds will not heal us and medicine can benefit us and Jesus really loves us. And then on week two, he brought another amazing message. Uh, it was called How to Attack Anxiety. So what he was teaching us is how to go from defense to offense by naming the trigger, by shifting the spotlight, from stopping our catastrophizing, and by adding a dot, dot, dot. We learned the power of this little word that can change everything, the word yet. I'm not healed yet. I'm not there yet. I haven't changed yet. Today, I want to conclude this conversation by talking about our relationship to truth. Because I think if we're going to talk about mental health, we're going to have to talk about the ideas that are defining our lives. What are we thinking? What are we believing? And are those things true or not? I've called this message the reality war. The reality war. I, I like that because it sounds like a sci-fi novel. And I want to write sci-fi novels, you know, so message is called the, the reality war. Uh, at, toward the end of John's gospel, we see this uh, exchange, this conversation between Jesus and a man named Pontius Pilate. Now, Pontius Pilate uh, is the Roman official presiding over Jesus's trial at the time. The Jews have brought Jesus to trial, uh, accusing him essentially of blasphemy, of claiming to be God, which he did and which he was. And Pilate's the guy that's in charge of deciding what happens to Jesus. And he's a bit confused. He's not a Jew. And he's like, I don't know what these guys are talking about. It doesn't really make sense to me. So he sits Jesus down. He pulls him aside and he asks him a question. He says, are you the king of the Jews? Because this is like the word that's going around. And after kind of talking a little bit, this is how Jesus responds to Pilate. It says, Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, everybody say in fact. In fact, the reason I was born, the reason I came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And Pilate, of course, replies his infamous response, what is truth? Jesus said, I came into this world to testify to the truth. It's the reason I was born. And Pilate responds with the question of our time, what is truth? What's true? What is real? Now, when I was in middle school, we had a man, he came to speak to us. I went to a Christian school, and so we had chapel every week. And uh, this guy came, his name was Josh McDowell. Now, Josh McDowell is a, is a Christian thinker and apologist. He's authored or co-authored over 150 books. It's casual. So when I was 14, I don't know who Josh McDowell is, and I don't care who he is. And I don't really know what he's coming to talk about. Chapel doesn't mean a whole lot to me, but I will never forget how he began his talk almost 20 years ago. It's one of those things that just stuck in my mind. He came into this room of 13, 14, 15-year-old kids, which is terrifying, and he asked this very question, what 
is truth. And after letting us yell out wildly incorrect answers for a while, (laughs) he put us out of our misery, or he put himself out of his misery. And he gave us this definition, and I don't know why, but I just remember word for word, this is what he said. I was 14 years old. He said, truth is that which has fidelity to the original. Now, I could only figure out what in the world that means, right? (laughs) Truth is that which has fidelity to the original. So I was like, thanks, Mr. McDowell. Um, Also, what's fidelity? (laughs) What are we talking about? Well, if you're confused, let me give you the example that he went on to give us. In Paris, France, there is an intergovernmental organization called the International Bureau of Weights and Measures. And their job is to standardize the weights and measures around the world. So what that means is somewhere in an underground French lab, there is the official measure of a kilogram. It's a small round metal cylinder. And all kilograms in the world are kilograms in as much as they conform to that standard. Like, how do you know if a kilogram is a true kilogram? Well, you go to Paris, France, to the International Bureau of Weights and Measures, and you compare it to the original. This is what Josh McDowell was getting at. Truth is that which has fidelity to the original. So now for our purposes today, I kind of want to rework and tweak that definition, but it's, it's similar. Truth is that which corresponds to reality. Truth is that which corresponds to reality. Or you could simplify it even further and just say truth is reality. Truth is reality. It's whatever is real and everything that conforms, corresponds, aligns, and agrees with that reality. That's what truth is. I don't know if you've noticed, but we are in a war on truth. And don't get me wrong, like, I'm not saying this is a 21st century American problem. I'm not saying, like, this is like a modern media, social media problem. This is not even a modern problem. This is a human problem that goes all the way back to our earliest ancestors. We see in our biblical origin story in Genesis, the account of creation, God, he speaks all of creation into existence. Then he forms man out of the dust of the ground. Then he forms woman out of the side of man. He places them in a garden called Eden, and he gives them a command. You can eat from any tree except for the tree in the center of the garden. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now in the story, we see that a serpent comes to Eve, and he asks her a question. He approaches her and says, did God really say So he is casting doubt on the truth of the word of God. Did God really say? And this this is really interesting. Then he says something that's not true. It's a brilliant way to introduce a lie. He doesn't just say it. He puts it in the mouth of God. Hey, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? And Eve says, no, he didn't say we can't eat from any tree. He said, if we eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, we will die. You won't die. You won't die for God knows when you eat from the tree, you will become like God, knowing good and evil. Adam and Eve are already like God. 
They were created in the image of God, formed by God's hands. He breathed his life into their lungs. And little did they know, knowing good is good enough. You don't need to know evil, Eve. But the serpent, he comes and he casts doubt on the truth of God's word. And he casts doubt on God's integrity and God's intentions. He says, God's hiding stuff from you. There's some secret knowledge he doesn't want you to have. And he knows if you do what he told you not to do, you're going to become like him. And Eve is deceived along with her silent partner, Adam. <laughs> this is where we, we start the story of humanity. And this, by the way, is a picture of spiritual warfare. Now, I don't know what you think of when you hear the term spiritual warfare. Maybe you never heard the term before. It's getting weird today. I think when we hear spiritual warfare, we think like exorcism, you know, like the conjuring one, two, three, you know, <laughs> casting out demons. They're like entire movements and ministries built around this. We got to do spiritual warfare. So we got to cast out demons. I'm not against casting out demons. Jesus casted out demons, right? But I do not think this is the primary form of spiritual warfare. I think that first and foremost, spiritual warfare is a war of ideas, it's much more dangerous and much more deceptive and much less dramatic than casting out demons. It's an ideological war. It's a war on reality. Today we're calling it the reality war. Look how the Apostle Paul describes and defines spiritual warfare in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says it this way. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish, he's so intense. We demolish arguments and every pretension. A pretension is just a claim or an assertion of something. Every argument, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, we demolish that. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Come on, this is... This is how Paul defines and describes spiritual warfare. Oh, we demolish stuff, but it's not really even demons. We demolish arguments and pretensions. We come against every thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean? It means whenever a thought disagrees with Jesus, it's wrong. Whenever like an idea or an argument or a thought disagrees with Jesus, it is false because he defines reality. He defines what is true and what is not. He says, I came, I was born, I came into this world to testify to the truth. That's what Jesus does. And what he says is real. And every time I'm wrong, I submit myself to him. Every time I think something that he doesn't say, I'm wrong. This is spiritual Warfare. Listen to Paul again in Ephesians chapter 6, another foundational text on spiritual warfare. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's an encouraging start. I can be strong in the power of God. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Come on. Paul could not be clearer. Our battle, it begins and ends with the truth of the word of God. Our battle begins and ends with the truth of God's word. He says, come on, put on the full armor of God. And where does he start? He starts with the belt of truth. And where does he end? He starts with the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. This is the beginning and the end of our fight. This is how we win the fight in our minds. This is how we win the reality war. This is spiritual warfare. This is our struggle. It's not physical. It's spiritual. So at the beginning of the Old Testament in Genesis, we see our earliest ancestors get this horribly wrong. But at the beginning of the New Testament in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see another example. And it parallels the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. It's the story of the temptation of Jesus. So we read in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel that Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Very interesting start. We can't get into it. He goes into the wilderness. So right off the bat, we see the similarity, but we also see the difference. Adam and Eve, they're in a garden. Jesus is sent into the wilderness. This is a picture of the exile of humanity. Adam and Eve, they led us out of the garden. Jesus came to lead us back into the garden. But he starts in the wilderness where you and I begin, right? So he's in the wilderness, and it says that he's fasting 40 days and 40 nights. How did Adam and Eve fall? They ate the fruit that was forbidden. So Jesus, he chooses not to eat but to fast. Where they fell short, Jesus stands firm, right? And then it says in the Genesis account, the serpent comes and he says, did God really say? Well, in the temptation of Jesus, the devil comes to Jesus and he says, if you are really the son of God. In both accounts, in both stories, the devil is challenging the truth of God's word, but he's not just picking something at random. In both accounts, the devil is directly challenging what God has just said. So in Genesis 2, God gives them a command, puts them in the garden, don't eat from the tree. In Genesis 3, the serpent shows up and says, did God really say? Well, in the temptation of Jesus, what happens before this story? If you've read the Gospels, you know before the temptation of Jesus is the baptism of Jesus. What happens in the baptism of Jesus? Uh, Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin, John. And when he's baptized, the heavens open, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, and a voice from heaven says what? This is my son. And then the devil comes and he says, if you're really the son of God, then why won't you prove it? But you see, Adam and Eve, they fall, they are deceived, they believe the lie, they eat the fruit, and the rest is history. But Jesus, how does he respond to the lies of the devil? 
In every occasion, in every accusation, Jesus responds with the word of God. He responds by quoting scripture and the battle is over and the devil leaves him for now. It says until an opportune time when he would come back and try again. So what in the world does this have to do with mental health? (laughs) Okay, like we're talking about stuff and you're telling stories and we're reading a lot of scriptures and this is really great, but I have real problems and I need real help, you know? Okay. I want to explain to you what I'm trying to get at here, and I want to do so by way of analogy. In psychology, there is a concept called cognitive dissonance. Now, I'm not a psychologist, and I'm not trying to diagnose you. It's a disclaimer. But in psychology, they talk about cognitive dissonance, and I just want to give you a a basic definition in my own words, okay? Cognitive dissonance is the psychological stress that occurs when our ideas beliefs, values, feelings, or actions are in conflict with one another. So, for example, uh, you believe that smoking is bad for your health, but you keep smoking because it feels really, really good, and it's really hard to stop. Well, the conflict between that knowledge, I know this is bad for me, and your behavior, I do it anyway, it creates a kind of mental discomfort. This feeling that I'm not living up to what I know I should be doing. It's called cognitive dissonance. Or um, let's say, for example, you, you believe I, I, I want to take care of my body. I want to be in good shape. I want to be healthy. But you just love fast food, man. You just can't get enough of it. It's like once, you're hit, once it hits your lips, it's so good. I'll do one. But you don't do one. And it produces psychological stress. Because you're going, I'm not, I'm doing something I know I shouldn't do. I know it's bad for me, but I do it anyway. It's called cognitive dissonance. Give me one, one more example. You're a Christian. So you know you shouldn't be sleeping with people you're not married to. But it's just like, it's so hard not to, right? And just, she's so cute and I've, I've, my hormones and we get it, right? So you do something you know you shouldn't do. You don't really want to do. And it produces what? Feelings of guilt and shame. That is cognitive dissonance. I'm not living up to my values. But that's not exactly what I want to talk to you about. So cognitive dissonance is is when there's a conflict within ourselves. It's like a conflict in our soul. I, I, I think one thing, I do something else. I believe something, I do something else. We all experience this because we all live out of sync sometimes, right? We all do things we know we shouldn't do. But what I want to talk to you about is a little bit different. I think that right now we're living in a time when we are experiencing something. Again, people have always experienced it, but I want to put some new language around it. We're experiencing something that I call reality dissonance. Reality dissonance. Let me define it for you. Very, very similar to cognitive dissonance, but with an important difference right at the end. Reality dissonance is the psychological stress that occurs when our ideas, beliefs, values, feelings, or actions are in conflict with reality. Not in conflict with one another, but in conflict with reality. So there's one type of mental discomfort and stress that comes when you do something you know you shouldn't do. I know I'm wrong. 
However, I think there's another kind of mental discomfort, mental stress that comes from doing things that do not correspond to reality. And here's the rub. And this is where it diverges a little bit with cognitive dissonance. I think that you, we, we will experience this whether we know we're wrong or not. And it can be even harder to deal with. Why? Because you can actually not be experiencing cognitive dissonance. You can actually be living in perfect alignment with what you believe about the world. You can actually be living up to your values. And what you'll end up doing is going, I don't understand. Like I'm doing everything I think I'm supposed to do. Like I'm, I'm actually doing what I think is right. I'm doing what society says I should do. So why do I feel like this? Why do I feel so empty when I'm doing everything people say fulfills you? Why do I feel so unfulfilled when I'm like pursuing all the things that people tell me will fill me up? Why do I feel so wrong when I'm doing what people tell me is right? It's called reality dissonance. Reality dissonance. And we have a generation of people dealing with this today. Man, traditional values, that's just like stuff people use to control other people, right? Who are you to tell me what I should do? What do you know about me? Listen, that may be true for you. It's not true for me. You live your truth, I'll live my truth. And we wonder why we're depressed. And we wonder why we're anxious. And we wonder why we're stressed out and burned out and worn out and run down. And we've believed this lie that you can be whatever you want to be. It's just not true. Maybe the American dream, but it's a dream. And when you live a dream, eventually you have a wake-up call. When you live in a fantasy, eventually you will run into a reality check. It's called reality dissonance. And I think so many of us, we're, we're dealing with mental discomfort, mental stress, mental illness, because we have rejected reality. If I could sum it all up, I'll say it like this. In a fight with reality, you lose. When you go to war with reality, you lose. In the reality war, reality wins. I think we're dealing with mental discomfort, mental stress, mental illness, because some of us, we have rejected the very foundation of truth itself. We've rejected like any kind of framework that you can build in. We've rejected the cornerstone of reality upon which everything else is built. In scripture, Jesus is called the stone the builders rejected. What that means is that the religious teachers, the religious thinkers, the religious leaders were trying to build the church, but they rejected Jesus, who is the foundation of the church. And this is what Jesus said to them. He said, everyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And anyone on whom this stone falls will be crushed. Jesus is reality. 
Jesus is truth. He said, I came to testify to the truth. I came to make the truth clear. I came to explain to you what's real and what's not real. And when you reject Jesus, you lose. Because he wants you to lose? No. Because he makes you lose? No. Because in the words of C.S. Lewis, when you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. Jesus doesn't want you to lose. Jesus doesn't want you to be stressed out. Jesus doesn't want you to experience this mental discomfort and mental illness. He, he wants to show you the way out of all that stuff. He wants to tell you, hey, like, you can't go that way. Maybe better, you can't get where you want to go that way. You're free to go any way you want to go, but I just want to let you know that's a dead end. It's a dead end. Jesus said what? He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Jesus said, like, I want to lead you into life. What did he say? He said, come, follow me. I want to lead you into everything you desire, into life and love and joy and peace and rest. It's all found in me, but you can't get there any other way. If you've been feeling some type of way, maybe you've been going the wrong way. Maybe you've been going the wrong way and you might say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. But we all live some lies, don't we? This fight does not end when you start following Jesus. This is like the fight of our lives. This is the fight for our minds. It's the fight to believe the truth. It's called the reality war. And you can win this war. So what do I want you to do with all this stuff? Well, to be honest, I kind of just wanted to talk to you about it. Kind of just wanted to like share some of the stuff that's been on my heart, on my mind. And I guess it's important that we talk about truth. I know this may seem like some high level philosophical discussion and to a degree it is. It's important that we talk about it because lies bring bondage and truth brings freedom. Jesus wants to lead you out of the lie, out of deception, out of the wilderness, and back into the garden. He, he wants to lead you into truth. He wants to bring you into freedom. But there's really only one way to get there. He came to show you the way. Jesus, he said it this way in John 8, 32. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Honestly, my whole message was supposed to be, I wanted to read you all of John chapter eight, but then I started writing and I ran out of space. If you want homework today, like go home and read all of John eight. Is John 8, Jesus talks about the father of lies and deception and truth. And he, he has this whole amazing conversation that I don't have time to talk about. He said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's important to notice. It's not enough that there is truth. 
It's knowing the truth that sets you free. Jesus doesn't say like, I am the truth and everything's all good. He didn't say like, there is truth out there and therefore you're free. He said, you will know the truth and that will set you free. Listen, if you're poisoned, it's not enough to know there's an antidote. Like you gotta take it. If you're lost, it's not enough to know that there's a right way and a compass. Like you have to follow it. Jesus said, you will, you'll know the truth and when you know it, you'll be free. You'll be free. This is a summary of everything we've said. There is truth. This is important for us to agree on. It's a foundation for everything. Without this belief, you can't really have anything meaningful. And this is the spiral of the past 150 years that we couldn't get into that I wanted to talk about philosophy and deep things. This is the shallow stuff. There is truth. Truth is reality. Jesus reveals truth. You can know truth and truth brings freedom. This is what I'm saying today. There's truth. Truth is reality. Jesus reveals truth. You can know truth and truth brings freedom. You'll know the truth and it's gonna set you free. I want to leave you with one more passage of scripture and this is really my encouragement to you today it may not seem super obviously encouraging off the bat but it is be alert and of sober mind your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. He says, be alert and of sober mind because what? The devil, he's looking for someone to devour. And we know it, it maybe is not what you think it is. How does the devil devour people? Through lies and deception. So the devil is looking for someone who will believe his lies. And that does not have to be you. Like you can reject the lies of the enemy. You can believe the truth of Jesus and you can walk into freedom. You can win the reality war. You can win the fight in your mind. You can win the fight of faith. You can win the fight for your soul. You don't have to believe the lies. You can believe the truth and you can walk and freedom and honestly you will not be free of suffering on this side of eternity you might say hey if I decide to follow Jesus will all my problems go away no if I decide to follow Jesus will I never experience mental discomfort or cognitive dissonance or reality dissonance again no if you decide to follow Jesus will you never deal with mental illness again honestly maybe not Jesus can heal you, it happens, but we still live in a broken world and sin is still all around us and in us and we still do stuff we shouldn't do and life is life and this war is not over until this life is over. It's the reality war, but you can win it. You can win it. Why? Because God is for you. Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit will guide you. And in this fight, you are not alone. Peter says, we know 
the family of believers all around the world are enduring the same kind of suffering. And there is comfort in that. Well, let me pray for you. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. God, we thank you that you sent Jesus into this world to testify to the truth, to show us what's real, to bring clarity and not confusion, to free us from deception, to show us the way to life. Thank you, God, that you made a way for us. Thank you, God, that you're on our side, that you see us in our brokenness and our pain, that you see us in our mental illness and our struggle and our suffering. Thank you, God, that we're not alone, that you're with us and that we're surrounded by a community of people and know what it's like to be human. Thank you that we serve a God who knows what it's like to be human. That Jesus, you chose to be embodied, that you chose to be born and live and struggle and suffer and endure pain so you could tell us, man, I know exactly how you feel. Thank you, God, for the freedom that comes from knowing the truth. God, I just pray that you would open our eyes today, that you would open our minds, that you would give us the grace we need to believe the truth, to reject the lies of the enemy, to win the reality war to engage in spiritual warfare, to demolish arguments and pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God, that we come against every thought and we make them obedient to Christ. God, give us eyes to see your truth. Give us minds to understand and hearts to believe. Help us to win the fight of faith. God, we need you. We thank you. We love you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com.